0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in the first part of Matthew chapter four. And also we're going to be looking through the eight chapters of the book of Acts. And we're going to be looking into the subject of testing, trial and temptation. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we're thankful today uh, that you are our God and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for your word, Father God. Now speak to us, Holy Spirit. Open up the word to us. Give us revelation and confrontation also, Father. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, this is uh, Jesus now being led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, Verse 1, then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Notice that he was led up of the Spirit. So God was in this, Holy Spirit was in this, and of course we know that Christ became our sin substitute, and we know that He uh, de- He died and He's raised up, and He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, we also know that He has taken uh, our place as a mediator, the go-between, and so in order for Him to accomplish this, it was necessary for Him to be tested in all points like we are. Yet without sin. Now, how many of us can say that? You know, we've we've failed many times through testing and trial and temptation. Uh, The difference between the Lord Jesus is he did it the first time, uh, and we, of course, you know, we through many trials and through many failures, we come to that place where we can truly say that, uh, yes, we're being tempted, but yet we're being tempted uh, without sin. In other words, we get the victory over the testing, the trial or the temptation. And uh, reading on a little bit more here in Matthew, verse two, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Well, I can imagine so. I don't know of too many people that have fasted 40 days and 40 nights and ate absolutely nothing but uh, drank water and uh, I will live to tell about it. I'm sure there are some and I have read where there are some, but I certainly haven't done it. And I don't know the, whether or not you have either. Uh, verse three. And when the tempter came to him, notice that the weakest point of the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, his body beginning to break down now. Uh, the tempter comes to him. And notice Satan is called the tempter. Where does temptation come from? Well, it comes from the enemy. And what is its purpose? And that is to destroy you. We must understand that you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are holy. You are good. You have the goodness of God on the inside of you. And because of all of these things, all of these attributes that dwell in you as a believer in Christ Jesus, that come from the Father God, uh, the devil hates everything about you, and he's out to destroy you. Not that you're a major threat to his kingdom, but just because that's who the devil is. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And the entrance that we give to him is we give in to his testings and to his uh, trials. We can't back down. Jesus has to be the supreme in our life. Amen. And of course, you know, we you know, study the life of the Apostle Paul and all the testings and all the trials that he went through, and yet he came out. Amen. Every one of them, he was delivered. And God, through his grace and through his mercy, uh, kept Paul going. And I'm sure there are many times just like you and I, Paul didn't want to go, but he went because he was a true soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know I'm I'm talking to a lot of people uh, that are listening to this broadcast. There have been times, maybe more than just a few, where you have just desired just to lay down and quit and say, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. That's a test. That's a test in itself. So what do we do? Well, we gather ourselves up. We go before the Father. We spend some time in prayer and in fasting if we have to. Spend time in the Word of God. And then begin to pray and call out to the Lord for a refreshing that comes from His presence. And He'll do that. He will refresh us. He will get us back on that front lines. And He'll get us back on the firing line. and uh, And He will truly help us. And bring us through uh, to victory. Amen. And so the only person that uh, truly stood alone was Jesus on the cross. All power was given into his hands. Uh, the weight of the salvation of the world was laid upon his shoulders. And he bore it himself. And it was at that point on the cross When Jesus cried out in in fulfillment of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was that moment, amen, that he became separated because of sin, the sin of the world. Remember now, he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. Notice the word made in that passage of Scripture. He was made to be sin. Doesn't mean he became a sinner. He was made to be sin, just like the sins of the children of Israel were transferred upon the goat. Uh, the sins of the entire world were transferred onto Jesus on his body. Amen. And that sin separated him. And that was necessary because you and I live at one time. We lived in a separation uh, from almighty God. And what brought us back was the fact that Jesus, he died. He was buried in a tomb, but yet he was raised the third day. God vindicating that righteous act that he did upon the cross, becoming sin for our being made sin for us who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. And when God raised him up, praise God. (laughs) Amen. The work of redemption was completed. Amen. Jesus paid for our sin. He paid for the penalty on the cross. God vindicated that righteous act. And when Jesus died, in effect, you and I died. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, in effect, through faith, we were raised from the dead. See, so Jesus' resurrection is also our resurrection. But, you know, as well as I do, it does not come. Victory does not come without testing and trials. And so verse two again. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if if thou be the son of God, how many times has a thought run across your mind? Well, if you were really a Christian, you would have done this or you would have done that. If you were really victorious, a victorious Christian, then you would have said this. This is how you would have acted. You wouldn't have acted the other way. See, that's the tempter coming. That's the test, the tester that is testing us to fall into sin, to back away from God the Father. Amen. Choose defeat rather than victory. Amen. Availed blindness upon God's ability to keep us from falling by his grace and by his mercy. Notice the tempter said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But now Jesus answered, and we know this, we've we've read this many, many times, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here is our savior, Jesus Christ. He stripped of everything. He stripped of his strength, He's, his body is weakened. His body is at the point almost of no return. Remember, he, was a, he had a physical body. His body was not some type of a supernatural body. I mean, it was a physical body. He was born physically. And he lived physically for 33 and a half years on this earth. Say so he was made the likeness of sinful flesh doesn't mean he was born in sin. It, the, the scripture says he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he endured a lot of the things that you and I do. But here's the here's the point. The point is, amen, that he had no sin in his body. He had no sin in his spirit. He was not a spiritually dead person. He was very much alive. And also he knew the word of God. So when the tempter comes to him and says, if you be the son of God, Jesus answered him, it is written. If you be the son of God, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said once again, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. And then Satan takes a scripture now. Satan knows the word he knows the Bible he doesn't believe a word of it but he knows it he knows how to twist it he knows how to twist the word of God to try to get the people of God to do what he wants them to do and we can't be a part of that and so Satan says it's written he shall give his angels charge over you concern and put there in your hands lest he bear up lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And notice what Jesus says to him. He says, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And then once again, the devil comes to him a third time, takes him up into exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he says to him, all these things I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. That is the same temptation given to Jesus, the son of God, That was accepted by the Antichrist. Amen. You can read it in the book of Revelation. It's there. Very same thing. Very same temptation. But now what did Jesus say? He said, get away from me. I rebuke you. Get out of here. That's John Dunning loose translation. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And then finishing out this, uh, this uh, uh, passage of scripture. And it says here that uh, and the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Well, they had to. But Jesus won the victory as weakened as he was through 40 days of fasting. Day and night, 40 days, 40 nights. He won the victory. And this, what this does is that shows us that Jesus was victorious over temptation and trial. And so you and I can be also. Amen. And so this really, this this passage of Scripture, uh, this first part of Matthew, chapter four, launches the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from then on, it was just one victory after another, all the way up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And really, the Garden of Gethsemane also was a victory. Actually, uh, no part of the, of the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus was ever a defeat. It was all victory. It cost Jesus dearly, but it was his victory and it is our victory. Praise God. Amen. And of course, you know, we see this same progression throughout the book of Acts. You know, we come into... A great manifestation of God's love and God's presence, and and we're so so satisfied, and 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 a new life has been opened before us. And my Lord, we just love God. We love everybody, and we're ready to do things for God. Uh, we just we can't stay out of His Word. Uh, prayer now becomes a brand new frontier that we begin to explore, and, but it doesn't take too long after this. Uh, Uh, This initial uh, high life of uh, becoming a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen. For the temptation and the testing and the trials to come. Remember how when you first got saved, how excited you were. How excited you were. Everything was beautiful. Everything was great. Everything was new. Amen. And you prayed and things came to you. I mean, every need was met. I mean, it was just a wonderful life. I mean, you were we were just floating around on, on flowery breads of ease and, and everything was going our way, and then all of a sudden we hit this wall. And testing and trials come. And the first thing we think of is that, you know, God doesn't love me anymore, or God's left. You know, he went ahead and took a flight to Jamaica and left me all here by myself. But it's that point through that testing and through that trial, we actually begin to grow. We begin to mature. Amen. And Paul said it himself. He said, I glory in tribulations. Why? Because I know tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope, and hope makes not a shame. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us. So testing and trial, it reveals to us just who we are, amen. But it also reveals a deeper truth, and that is how much God loves us, that He's not going to let go of us. He's not going to separate us. I mean, we're in the hands of the our Heavenly Father, and nobody's going to be able to pluck us out of His hands. Praise God, amen, hallelujah. So here we are in the book of Acts. Now, we know in, in the writings of Luke, the last few verses, How that uh, Jesus appeared to them. He ascended up on high and the people, uh, the the disciples, they went back to Jerusalem with joy. They were in the temple every day, worshiping and praising God. Everything was going great. Everything was going wonderful. You know, and the book of Acts also tells us how that they had the favor of all the people. But now Jesus said this. When the disciples asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom? Again, to Israel and Jesus replied, he says, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the father's put in his own power. But this is one thing you will do. You will receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And going through the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, we'll find out that the ministry of the church after the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost centered around Jerusalem, maybe a little bit in the outskirts, but mostly it was in Jerusalem. And uh, so here we go. So we're in Acts chapter two and the Holy Spirit comes and God pours out his spirit and the 120 in the upper room, they began speaking in other tongues and and uh, they broadcast throughout that area of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem at that time was filled with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Well, to make a long story short, uh, Peter gets up and preaches and lo and behold, he preaches with fire. He preaches with anointing and 3000 people are added to the church. I mean, that's a glorious time. Hallelujah. Amen. And God was so working so strong. The Holy Spirit was working so strong within that small group that immediately it began to increase. And so the church is doing well. Uh, The church is unified. The church is in love. I mean, they're sharing with one another. And then we get over into Acts chapter three. And the first great miracle of the church happens when Peter and John are walking to the gate it called beautiful and they see that lame man and they speak to him and they say in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he did. He went in the temple, leaping and walking and praising God, got the attention of the Sanhedrin. They didn't like that. They didn't like it at all. They thought they had done away with Jesus. But now here comes this group of people. And what are they doing? They're preaching Jesus. Hallelujah. So they haul them up before the Sanhedrin. And then Peter, notice what he says. He says, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said to them, uh, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by which means he's made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, this is Peter who just a few days before Denied Jesus three times. Why? Because he wanted to save his own skin. See, that's just the flesh. You know, Jesus said, he was talking to the Jews. He says, if you, if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. You see. And Peter made that decision. He made that decision. Well, you know what? And he had the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. He says, well, I'm going to lose my life. That way I'll gain it. Well, here's a demonstration of it. Notice verse 10 again, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, notice he laid upon the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin, the leadership, the responsibility of crucifying Jesus, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Well, they didn't like that. They didn't like it at all. And so they began to threaten Peter and John. They began to tell them, you know, you better not. You better not preach anymore in, in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John said this, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And that's the essence of temptation from the devil is to get you to shut up, to ruin your testimony. Amen. To make the the words that you speak of no effect. That's why it's so important for us to overcome temptation. And of course, Paul said this. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. What the devil does towards you, he's done towards me and towards millions and millions and millions of other believers throughout the world. But Paul said this, but God is faithful, not willing for you to be tempted above that which you're able, but also with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. Well, what's the way of escape? It's faith. It's faith and conviction. That's what Peter and John had. They had faith in Christ and they had the conviction that they were going to do what what was right and it didn't matter what the Sanhedrin thought about it. So they were further threatened. Well, what did Peter and John do? Well, they went back to their own company and they told them everything that was going on. And so the whole company got together and they began to pray. And of course, you know, in the latter part of chapter four, Uh, We uh, we have recorded Luke recorded this wonderful prayer that that Peter and the people of God uh, prayed and they asked for two things. Number one, they asked for boldness. We need boldness. We're coming against a people that are much stronger than I that have the right uh, that for us either to live or to die. We want to serve Jesus. So we need the boldness to overcome the boldness to do what? Not just to live, but the boldness to preach your word. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. And the second thing they asked him for. To stretch forth the hands to heal. And that signs and wonders be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had finished praying that prayer, Luke records that the place was shaken where they were assembled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? Well, the first prayer was answered and they spake the word of God with boldness. And verse 32, it goes on, you know, and it says in verse 33, <clears throat> and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's boldness, folks. And great grace was upon them. God giving the grace. See, most of us really don't understand grace. <clears throat> we really don't. Most of us believers, we look at ourselves as a glass half empty. And we have no earthly idea how to get our glass filled up. We think God has forsaken us, that God doesn't like us. We've got to walk a straight line. Like one uh, uh, believer told me many, many years, God's a strict God and you you step out of line. He's going to whip you sore. Listen, friends, uh, uh, people that say stuff like that, they really do not understand uh, the grace of God. God's grace is greater than our sin. And notice it says in Luke records, great grace was upon them. And then it talks about how that they just came together. They laid down everything, you know, at the apostles feet. They they wanted to make sure that every believer uh, was taken care of. But many signs and wonders were done. Notice that many signs and wonders. Great power gave the apostles witness. And many signs and wonders were done in the name of Jesus. So they got their prayers answered. Amen. Praise God. Well, now here we are. Now that's testing and trial. Now here's another test in Acts Acts chapter five. Ananias and Sapphira, they sin tried to creep into the church through these two individuals. Well, God dealt with it through the apostle Peter. And then we get over to Acts chapter six, you know, the formation of the church, uh, the deacon body to take care of the women. There was a split, a division between the Grecian women and the, and the Hebrew women or the widows. Well, the wisdom that was upon Peter solved that problem. And then we get over here to Acts chapter seven. Stephen became one of the prominent men in the, in the Christian church. And, and he began to dispute with the Jews. Well, make a long story short, Uh, they stoned him to death. And there was a great persecution in the church. And there was one Saul of Tarsus that was there and he was approving of Stephen's death. And now we get over here to Acts chapter eight. And Saul was consenting unto the death, unto his death, Stephen's death. And at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. And Samaria except the apostles, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made grim and lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc. That word "havoc" could also be uh, used. The word "destroy." He went about to destroy the church, entering into every house and hailing uh, men and women, committing them to prison. But now notice verse four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. In the midst of testing and trial and tribulation, never forsake the word of God. Never stop reading the word of God. Never stop praying the word of God and never stop preaching and teaching and speaking uh, the word of God. Because that's our lifeline. That's exactly what Jesus used when he was tempted so severely on the Mount of Temptation. That's what we use. Amen. It's okay to talk to the devil when you're speaking to him concerning the Word of God. Hey, devil, let me tell you what the Word says. Well, he already knows what the Word says, but if you want to make him mad, just go ahead and tell him anyway. Praise God. Amen? Hallelujah. But see, here's the thing. All right, Philip goes down to Samaria. Remember now the first eight chapters, the first seven chapters concerning the church, just primarily in Jerusalem. But now we're seeing an expansion of the church. Philip goes down to Samaria. That's exactly what Jesus said that the church was going to do. You're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost part of the earth. And that's how the rest of the book of Acts plays out. But the important point is this. In the midst of testing and trials, do not forget who you are, that you are a child of God and great grace is upon you and never stop speaking the word of God. Put the word of God and speak it in your prayer life. Speak it in your, put it in your mouth. Don't forsake it. Hallelujah. And walk right through that temptation. Amen, you and I can do it, we can do it, praise God. Why? Because we have the power of God resting on the inside of us, amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. As we apply the word of God to our heart, we truly will be and are, we have to see ourselves this way, that we are always victorious in Christ Jesus, amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name.